Happy Wednesday. Good to see you. I imagine you're there, right? I can see you. When I look across the keyboard here, look across the screen, look across the board, I can see you. I can see you out there listening. Seeing us listen. Okay. Um, this is Jill, and this is K9360 here on KZUM. June, June, we're in summer. How about that? We made it. Um, hoping your tea, your uh, flea and tick problem isn't too dramatic. I saw a tick on my bathroom wall earlier. I guess it was in May. Um, that was creepy enough, but everybody's been treated and so far so good. Not seeing anything too yucky or scary. And hope everybody is doing the same, but check over those little little dogs. I must have been talking to someone. You know how the computer listens to you, right? Or your phone. I must have been talking to someone about treating the my vehicle, my dogs, and their bedding for ticks because suddenly social media was filled with videos of how to remove embedded ticks without tweezers, um, which isn't always your favorite thing to see right away in the morning on insufficient coffee fueling, right? Eek. Um, but the creepy crawlies are out there and they do like to get a hold of our dogs. So they'll get a hold of you too if you're not careful. So be careful. Um, and find some things you like that work for you that keep the, the little itchy pests off of all of us and out of the house if you can. Um, also on my social media feed, and uh, I don't know what what drives those algorithms, but has been a, a kind of resurrection or resurgence in the uh, dog training equivalent of the ageless, timeless, endless battle of the Republicans versus the Democrats, <laughs> which in dog training is about how you train your dog um, and the role of rewards or reinforcement and consequences or correction or punishment. And these debates are generally pretty tiresome. Um, but I thought I'd pull some highlights, uh, particularly having to do with the idea of corrections or punishment, which are not the same thing. And uh, Oh my goodness, Ivan Balabanov has been doing some stuff with about this on his podcast. Uh, Gary Wilkes had some fiery words for all of us on the social media feed. Let's start with him, because I think he framed it pretty well. A couple weeks ago, he said uh, he reported on a former president of the APDT, which is the Association of Pet Dog Trainers who compiled a list of things that can go wrong when we punish dogs for their obnoxious behavior. And according to Wilkes, it originally spread on the internet as 10 things, but the author kicked in two more. And uh, all these editorials are Wilkes's, unless I tell you otherwise, but his sentences. But the author kicked in two more, I guess, to be the most deluded person spreading this crap. And a note from Gary, they're all rooted in applying the effect wrong or being an entrenched ideologue with no experience using punishment correctly. All right. 
because the most, most lethal problem with dogs is the absence of punishment in the presence of positive reinforcement, any trainer should learn how to counteract these benign side effects by learning how to reapply the primary effect of punishment, which is to stop and inhibit a specific behavior, like biting. So Gary's going to list off these things, these things that can go wrong. And I'm going to share two of them with you. You can go back uh, and find Gary's posts on Facebook if you want to read all of them. Here's the 12 things. You can cause physical pain or damage to your dog. It is difficult to gauge the appropriate intensity. The dog can develop a punishment callus, which is new to me. I had not heard that one before. The behavior will return when the punishment stops. Uh, number five, it's difficult to have perfect timing. Number six, it's difficult to be perfectly consistent. Number seven, it can suppress desired behaviors and inhibit offered behaviors. Number eight, it doesn't teach the dog what to do. Number nine, the suppressive effect of the punisher is limited to the presence of the discriminative stimuli. Number 10, it's rewarding to the punisher, meaning the person doing the punishment. We'll talk about that in a minute. Number 11, it can damage the dog's confidence, their trust in the trainer, their relationship between the dog and the human. And number 12, violence begets violence. And according to Gary, he says, when I am done going through these one at a time, you will buy some I'm Stupid signs from Bill Engvall, and you can pass them out to anyone who cites this nonsense. So what I want to do this evening is share uh, just two of Wilkes's response to this APDT president's list, and I didn't go look up to see who it was. And if you want to see more, you can find Wilkes on Facebook, as, I'm, as I mentioned. Sorry. Meanwhile, here are two things that can cause punishment to go wrong and Gary Wilkes's response to them. The claim that you can cause physical pain or damage to your dog. And Wilkes says, yeah, that's, that's true. You can cause pain or damage to your dog by attempting to apply any form of correction. You can also cause pain or damage to your dog by using positive reinforcement incorrectly. Doubt, doubt me? Talk to a veterinary orthopedic surgeon about the number of dogs who blow their cruciate ligaments while playing Frisbee. Playing Frisbee is a behavior that is perpetuated and strengthened by gasp positive reinforcement. There's no warning ever given that positive reinforcement can in any way harm your dog. And you might ask yourself why no one mentions this. Yes, you can cause pain or damage using punishment, but that has nothing to do with whether you will cause pain or damage. Virtually every activity has an element of risk, regardless of whether it's pleasant or unpleasant. Each individual has to decide whether specific risks outweigh the benefits, whether you're talking about having your tonsils taken out or getting a motorcycle. If you ride a motorcycle recklessly or irresponsibly, you can kill yourself. So what, he says, the trick is to ride the motorcycle correctly. If you have caught what this APDT author really meant, it's this. He's trying to suggest that you aren't bright enough to use punishment, and if you do, 
something nasty is going to happen to your dog. The author, of course, doesn't have to use punishment with her dogs and doesn't think you should either. It's kind of like a vegan telling you how to cook your, cook your steak, I guess. So here's another one from Wilkes's list. He's got these kind of short, pithy little responses to these 12, 12 ways in which you can harm your dog by correcting them. The problems with punishment, number, I don't know which number this is. Sorry, I was looking over at the list to see if I could figure it out. That it can damage the dog's confidence and their trust in the trainer and their relationship between dog and human. Oh, that's number 11 on the list of 12. According to Gary Wilkes, this just simply isn't true. A dog who experiences an unpleasant event doesn't go belly up and hate the circumstances surrounding the event unless you let him. Any rational person is going to use punishment selectively and rarely. Once the dog isn't jumping on the kids, eating the curtains, and darting out the front door, then you've got lots of extra time for belly rubbing, treats, and frisbee. The real issue is one of balance, he says. If your dog is entirely inhibited after a punishment sequence, he'll be fine the next morning, and you can bet on that. If you have to give the dog some coaxing and treats to get him back to the front door after being punished for jumping on it, then do it. There's nothing stopping anyone from using both positive reinforcement for good behavior while punishing an unacceptable behavior. The timidity that comes from punishment will be forgotten when an acceptable alternative is found and tangibly reinforced. Gary continues, to finish off the topic, here's some real science on this subtopic. Quote, one possible side effect of punishment is the production of emotional reactions. Several researchers have demonstrated that punishment with electric shock collar does not produce lasting emotional results. Further, Aaron and Holes, 1966, have pointed out, gross observations seem to indicate that no chronic emotional maladjustment is engendered by the child's having been burned by touching a radiator or having a skinned knee by falling off a bike. It is fortunate that punishment does not produce strong lasting emotional effects under most circumstances, since it would be impossible to eliminate punishment from the natural environment. Although it's true that emotional behaviors are frequently observed following punishment, it's also true that these effects are usually pretty short-lived. That is uh, a quote from the effects of punishment on human behavior by Axelrod and Apsch, Academic Press, 1983. So we can think about that for a minute. One more set of observations from Wilkes, and I don't always agree with everything, but I, I, I confess, I do kind of like his style. He's a curmudgeon's curmudgeon. He's kind of irascible. He says, nature, darn old nature, is lacking. It doesn't provide trainers, and it doesn't have little mechanical clickers. It doesn't have an alpha man saying no. It has things, lots and lots of things. And an event will never be like a Skinner box. Nature is cluttered. The animal has to figure out what aspects of an event are important and which ones to ignore. They do that quite well, except when they don't. And the price for missing the important thing in nature is usually death. Thanks. 
When an animal does figure out the important things, they have various ways of behaving in the future. Flight, fight, and freeze come to mind, but they're not the only things they can do. Armadillos roll into a ball. Hippos, crocs, and some kinds of snakes emerge underwater. Elephants, African elephants, trumpet and throw out their ears. Nature doesn't really value, quote, learning. That's the obsession, instead, of behavioral scientists and trainers. Nature values doing. Get it right, and you get to live another day. Get it wrong, and you don't. (laughs) No second chances. To do that, you'll use every physical aspect of your body to do that. You can use instinctive behaviors or learned behaviors. Nature doesn't care, but you have to get it right. Why is this important? Because if you're going to train an animal, which is a completely unnatural process, you have to understand how the animal learns in nature. If you don't understand how a behaviorally limited animal can survive a cougar attack, or how an elk learns to freeze at the sound of a broken twig, you're going to have limited success. With that, I'll tell you my formula. Many of you already know this. Click, wrong, no. Each of these proprietary learning signals is connected to a predictable consequence. How you hold steady to the promise of a consequence allows you to create consistency or variability. Variability is necessary to create new behaviors. No variability means no learning. Unless you can reliably slip the clutch, you are stuck in second gear. Not surprisingly, the answers are in nature. I recommend you shove any training task into a nature setting to gain insight into what might be missing from your training protocol. Most of the time, you get significant hints. Your drug's failure to perform is the cue for you to get objective and precise in your observations. Lots of people call themselves trainers. Do I sound familiar now, right? Lots of other people call themselves behaviorists. It's a pretentious claim of some kind of extra knowledge that a trainer wouldn't have when it's quite the opposite, actually. According to Wilkes, a modern behaviorist is someone who is lacking a full objective analysis of behavior. So to see what I'm talking about, he says, let's go back to the first use of the word. There he wants to start with John Watson and Edward Thorndike, the first self-styled behaviorist. And back then, this is 1913, the term has specific meaning other than someone with an interest in behavior. Watson pointed, uh, published a series of lectures in 1913 that have kind of become a behaviorist manifesto. Here's a quote. The manifesto rejected the study of consciousness as unscientific. It claimed that to be a natural science, psychology must be dedicated to the study of observable behaviors that represent the human organism's adjustment to their environment. Watson described a new psychology dependent on the particular stimuli presented and the controlled conditions of the laboratory where responses could be predicted on the basis of that stimuli. Behavior then was grounded on the wholesale rejection of the ideas that mental processes determine behavior along with the affirmation of the notion 
the behavioral adaptations follow lawful patterns of acquisition and extinction. Habit, habit and learning were the core foci of behaviorist observations. Wilkes says, guess what the manifesto and its author rejected? They rejected instinctive, that's inheritable behaviors, the kind that we all get from DNA, the kind that makes you more or less similar to other animals. It's the same process that gives Dalmatians spots. So, uh, Mr. Skinner, what's the real definition of behaviorist? Behaviorist. Somebody know, who knows less than a dog trainer. <laughs> dog trainers know all about breed-specific behaviors. They integrate that into training the dog in front of you. If you see a Shih Tzu that's caught a gopher, it's a meme-worthy event. If you see an Airedale in a cratered backyard that has never caught a gopher, a gopher, that's their DNA at work. There's no mean, meme necessary other than, yep. So here's a question from Gary Wilkes to you the magic of radio. If you claim academic credentials, but there's no course, instructor, text, certification, internship, residency, or even a discussion or the use of punishment, how are you qualified to have an expert opinion? Gary answers. The masses are impressed by the appearance of credentials. It also shuts them up and they don't dare to ask logistical questions such as, how are you an expert if you've never studied the topic as part of your academic career. The real question is who is the biggest dope? The fake expert or the person who believes in them? Hard to say. Some of the fake experts are incredibly clever at hiding their deceit. They have a vested interest in the scam. It elevates their social status, sets up doubters, and fills their pockets. Let me say that again. Fake experts, and there are some of those in our community who have vested interest in the scam. It elevates their social status, shuts up the doubters, and fills the pockets. Like politicians, but with less accountability. Mm, that's a stretch. So give me an example of any objectively stated uh, statement of any behaviorist about the use of punishment that they gained from their academic studies, which is both true and accurate, then have them cite the source of their knowledge. I'm a bit of an academic myself. I think I could do that. I think I can answer that question and cite a source. Anyway, we're not talking about me. We're talking about Gary Wilkes. So a little bit more from him. What this also clues... Uh, is a little bit of history, but he says, if you have principles, tell us what they are. Meaning, don't define your position using the concepts invented by your enemies. One example, IACP is a dog trainers group that is heavily weighted towards e-collars and prong collars. Their new sub-motto is, I support the use of all humane tools in training, and that's a paraphrase. But it isn't really what it means. It's a self-defense motto designed to deflect the completely unwarranted accusations that they're abusive. And that's not a new phenomenon. Right, guys? About 15 years ago, the all-positive crew started using terms like punishment-based training to deflect that some trainers have invented their own term, balanced training. That must... That must 
Where'd I go here? Balance training. That meant that one can deflect, can balance positive and negative influences. Sorry, my eyes are bouncing. But what it should really mean is a trainer whose skill covers the whole spectrum. In other words, someone who's as skilled at using positive reinforcement as they are positive punishment and negative reinforcement. Except that they aren't. So once again, a motto is designed to deflect rather than accurately define an ethos. Wilkes says, I don't claim to be humane or balanced. I claim to be ethical. And that obligates me. I wonder if that should be obliges. I'm not going to pick apart. Okay. That obligates me to provide the most effective training possible. But wait, the all positive fools now promote the concept that effective is not enough. You have to lean toward humane, which is interpreted as nice rather than effective. So you're allowed to charge money for ineffective solutions, and that is normally called fraud. Why bring this up, asks Gary. I abhor lying to people who genuinely love their dogs and taking money for it. It occurs on either side of the divide, right? Just like my analogy about the Republicans and the Democrats. So having used the term all positive twice, I will be ruthlessly honest. They are actually anti-punishment. And that, of course, is an absurdity. There is no place or time where or when a dog can be prevented from experiencing any punishment. So that tells us who they are. Here's Gary's definition. Utopians. For utopians, it's not about outcome, it's about process. It doesn't matter that withholding punishment kills the dog. That's perfectly fine as long as you shove treats in the dog's mouth while it's still alive. And I really did mean absurdity. They also worship pseudoscience, so I'll show you some real science and you can make up your own mind. Here's a quote. One possible side effect of punishment is the production of emotional reactions. Several researchers have demonstrated that punishment with electric shock does not produce lasting emotional results. And he cites the 1955 study. Further, as Azernan Holds 1966 have pointed out, gross observations seem to indicate that no chronic emotional maladjustment is engendered by a child's having been burned or by touching a radiator or having skinned their knee by falling off a bike. Um, it is fortunate that punishment does not produce strong lasting emotional effects under most circumstances since it would be impossible to eliminate punishment from the natural environment. Al although it is true that emotional behaviors are frequently observed following punishment, it is also true that these effects are generally short-lived. And that's uh, one big block quote from Ron, Dr. Ron Van Houten, The Effects of Punishment on Human Behavior. So, as I said, Gary Wilkes, kind of fascinating, very quotable. It's a trip. Hop on Facebook, you can find it. Um, he blogs as well, and uh, got lots of stuff to tell us about. So, sorry for my little bouncing eye. I was taking my glasses on and off, and I usually use my thumb to keep my spot. And needed my thumb to pull the glasses off. Darn it. Okay. That's about it for us today. That went by quick. It always does, doesn't it? Hope you're having a good Wednesday. Hope you can come out to Stransky tomorrow night. Fun music. Food trucks. Fun people with happy smiles. And... 
I can ask for fun weather. Doesn't mean we'll get it right, but we can be hopeful. Maybe the worst of the rainy, snow, rainy, windy, mm, stormy stuff is past us. And June can mellow out a little bit. Who? What's the song lyric? No, it's mellow as the month of May, isn't it? That Carol King lyric. Okay, we're going to say mellow as the month of June because we need June to be mellow for both the Stransky concerts and Jazz in June. Tune it a week, y'all. Pretty cool. Plus, I think there's other live music to be had around town. Best part of summer, I think. One of the best parts. All right, all right. Stick around. Celebration's coming up. Hang out with us. We love having you here. We love being by your side, in your ear, in the car, with you wherever you go, in your community, with your community radio station. I'm Jill. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you back here next week. KZUM and KZUM HD, the coolest radio station in the world. Take care.